0: Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. Still quarantining here in the basement, keeping to myself, self-isolating. And I imagine most of the people listening to this are as well, unless you happen to be in one of the lucky countries in the world that have not been affected by the coronavirus as of yet. And if so, count your lucky stars. Although I'm having a good time doing this uh, self-isolating, honestly. I'm getting to spend more time with my family, getting to really be creative. That's what I am most excited about, is the creativity that I get to... Use in these situations by, you know, just coming up with new ideas, new ways to create content. Typically, I have a, a studio at my disposal, all kinds of resources. Now, it's not, not the case. So, really have to think about how to do this in a way that is conducive to not having the resources with you. So, this radio show is, uh, or podcast, regardless of uh, the way you're listening to it, is being done. Just single microphone, telephone. Smartphone? I guess it's not really a telephone, a smartphone, you know. And we're rolling on it in this particular way. And I think that it's a a unique opportunity to learn new tools, new things. And I hope everybody is finding the silver linings in this and using it as a time to build your skills, build uh, your family family time, capitalize on that. So uh, to everybody out there, I hope you're doing well. And uh, if you're not, I have opened up my DMs on uh, social media. Please feel free to send me a message if you want to talk about just about anything. This week was an interesting one in MMA. It's, you know, it's never a dull time. That's the thing about covering the sport is it's a year-round sport. Right now, it's a bit of a downtime because you don't know what's going to happen next. But ultimately, if Dana White can make an event happen on April 18th, it'll be, what, three or four weekends without an event? That's not a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. If you look at the off-seasons for some sports, they're far longer than that. We'll see how that goes. I, you know, I don't doubt that Dana White is gonna be able to make something happen, whether or not it's the right decision is something that they need to assess internally. It's not really for me to determine. You know, I can talk about the risks that are intrinsic with running an event during this particular time. Obviously, social distancing is a big deal, making sure that people do not come in contact with those that either are carrying the coronavirus or people that are asymptomatic coming in contact with those that are not carrying it and uh, passing it on to them without even knowing. Those are obviously massive, massive dangers and why we are engaging in social distancing and uh, and self-isolation these days. But um, there are ways that they can do this safely. They could test all of the different athletes involved in an event for COVID-19. They could charter a flight. They can uh, hold it in a closed venue. They can make sure that the personnel, any personnel that are going to be in or out of that building in the vicinity are... Uh, Negative for COVID nineteen. If they do all of those things, if they take all of those precautions. I think that it's something that again, you 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 assess the risk versus the reward, and the reward is large. You get the whole Khabib versus Tony finally after all these years, the fifth fifth time. Uh, right now, it's a global pandemic that could be derailing this particular bout for again the uh, the fifth time. But Dana White seems to be eager to try to make it happen. So we've just got to look at all of the different scenarios. You got to look at what you're doing in order to make sure that your athletes are safe and to make sure that the general public is not going to be in any sort of danger from holding an event such as this. So when you keep that in mind, if they are able to do that, if they are able to ask their athletes to voluntarily self-isolate or quarantine for 14 days after they compete at one of these events, after traveling, if they can get their athletes to drive to a location where there's going to be a chartered plane rather than getting on another plane in order to get there, If you could figure out a way to drive there with uh, some teammates and coaches in order to reduce the risk of coming into contact with somebody who has uh, COVID-19. And you can get to a, a country that does not have the same strict rules on public gatherings of 10 or less people. If you can make all of that happen, and if Dana White can can do that in in an assuredly safe fashion, I know he's not sharing these facts with the media. He he thinks the media are the bad guy. He thinks that we're trying to take down the show. We don't want the show to happen. There's nothing I'd rather do on Saturday night than watch an MMA event, particularly a UFC event. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But, uh, of course, we're all making sacrifices these days for the greater good. But if Dana White can make it happen and he can do it in a safe way, more power to him, honestly. I think that his heart is in a good place. I really do. I think that he is doing it for noble reasons, such as keeping UFC staff employed, not having to lay off any staff. He's been very adamant about not wanting to lay off any staff during this time. About uh, making the fighters have something to do to earn some wages, to get paid, to give back to the fans and to the the, the, the sports viewer that are at home, looking for something to watch, dying, craving for something, some th- sort of sporting event to... to watch during this time he wants to do all of these things and if again I think his heart is in the right place I really do but I think that those that are involved with the UFC as a you know from the medical profession Dr. Davidson whoever else is is part of that medical staff need to sit him down and talk about the risks of doing it and talk about doing it the right way and if they can do that if they can do it the right way Again, by all means, I really think that if this is what they want to do and they they think that this is what is best for business and what is best for society, I don't know how you can fault them. I think that uh, you've got to look at things from their perspective. And again, I'm not advocating for doing this in an unsafe fashion. I think that you really do need to take the, the correct precautions to make sure that this sort of thing is done in a way where you're minimizing risk on all ends, whether it's the fighters, your staff. Everything. If you can figure out a way to minimize it and to capitalize on uh, a situation where you don't have opposition from other sports, I think that uh, it makes a lot of sense to go forward with an event if you can do all of those things. But it's a lot to do. It is a lot to do, and it's a heavy burden. Of course, Dana White seems adamant on doing it. And again, I'm not going to be the one who doubts Dana White and says, you know, you can't put an event together right now because (laughs) you're just going to fuel him to do it. You're gonna fuel right now he's got enough fuel as it is. And I you know, he says that he's not worried about the coronavirus. He's not gonna stay in his home, he's not gonna stay in isolation for months and months. That's not who he is. And I get that, and that's fine. If you wanna put yourself at risk, again, more power to you. But I think that the reason why people are self isolating is not because they're scared, but it's for the greater good. It's to make sure that people's family members that might be at risk due to uh, immunodeficiencies or, or age or anything along those lines, that they don't come into contact with it. And I think that uh, the risks need to be laid out to him. And he probably knows the risks. I'm not saying that he's ignorant of the risks. I'm, that's the opposite of what I'm saying. And it's not what I want to imply. But there are risks at play for holding an event, and I think that he needs to be willing to take those risks uh, if he wants to get the the reward, ultimately. Now, the big story this week in the UFC... Is once again John Jones. John Jones was uh, arrested and uh, was charged with four counts. One was a weapons charge, aggravated DWI, having an open container of alcohol, and uh, not having insurance uh, available, uh, a valid insurance document available for, for police. Not a good look, uh, once again, for John Jones, and uh, it's just, I, I think it's a sad situation. I really do, and I, I, I went on social media and said I hope that uh, John Jones gets the help that he needs. And I've said this countless times. Every time that something like this happens, he really does need to get people that are going, going to make sure that he does, that he makes better decisions. He hired a driver, according to a report back in 2016. Obviously, he didn't have said driver with him. If he does still employ a driver, not using Lyft, not using Uber. It's just, it's negligent what he did. If, if he was indeed had, according to police, was twice over the legal limit for alcohol when you're operating a vehicle, he wasn't operating a vehicle at the time, but he admitted that he had operated a vehicle and planned to operate a vehicle again that evening. These are things that put the public in danger. I'm aware of that. Believe me, I I, I do not advocate for anything, um, like a D, like DWI, anything like that. I think is is honestly not a good thing to do. It's despicable to put others in danger because you want to get drunk. However, I do want to point out that alcoholism, addiction is a very serious thing. Right now, during a time like this where we're in social isolation, we don't get to go out and enjoy ourselves, if you have issues with addiction, you might not take that as seriously. You might just go and make mistakes, do things that you know you, you don't have any real control over because your addiction has overtaken you and put you at risk and put others at risk. So um, for John Jones... Um, that's why I say I hope he gets the help that he needs because this kind of a thing is dangerous and it's in especially at a time like this where you can avoid going out where you are not supposed to leave your home, to put yourself in this sort of predicament, this sort of situation, it shows that me that there's a bigger problem here. That that it's not bad decision making. It's could it, it's something that goes beyond that. It's something that's scary. It's something that a lot of people every year need help for, not just John Jones, It's something that is a very, very serious issue for people to overcome and i do hope that he does find the help that he needs in order to overcome that and i've said this before believe me i sound like a broken record here and i am aware of that i I truly truly am aware of the fact that this is not something that is new that people are saying that john needs to to get help for this problem this, this is not a new revelation believe me i, I understand that but i don't want to see anybody put themselves in jeopardy i don't want to see anybody put others in jeopardy and i don't want to see anybody Um, anybody's family have to deal with something like this. So that's why I say I I do hope that John is able to figure out what kind of help he needs, acknowledge that he needs help, acknowledge once again that he has an an issue that needs to be resolved. He's the most talented fighter, I think, in the history of the UFC. I think he's the best fighter in the history of the UFC, the the greatest fighter of all time. People will disagree. They'll say, well, look at his his previous uh, um, failed tests. Look at that and... You know, how can you call him the greatest of all time? Well, who else is in the conversation? Anybody else you put in the conversation for greatest of all time fought during that era, fought during an era where there was no real, really strict testing. And I'm not saying that they, anybody who fought in that era, or everybody that fought in that era, used performance enhancing drugs. I'm just saying that you just don't know. It's like my argument with the Baseball Hall of Fame how they're keeping Barry Bonds out, keeping Roger Clemens out. Keeping Mark McGuire out, Sammy Sosa, etc. They're keeping them out, but they're putting other people from that era in. And if everybody during that era, or a lot of people during that era, they call it the steroid era in baseball. If everybody from, if anybody else from that era is getting in, why are they getting the benefit of the doubt? And you're demonizing other people from that era for potentially doing, the, just being better players than those people, but you know having implications of drug, of uh, illicit drug use or uh banned, su- you know, banned substance use in baseball. Why are you giving other people free pass? You either include the whole era or you don't include the whole era. You know, Barry Bonds was an amazing baseball player before all of these allegations, you know, bef- when he was younger, before people thought that he was using performance enhancing drugs. But if the culture at the time was that people were trying to get an edge and everybody was doing it or a lot of people were presumed to be doing it, and uh, becoming better hitters, becoming better pitchers, et cetera, healing faster from injuries, all of the different effects that uh, steroids or uh, ban- certain banned substances will do. Like if if that was the culture, why why would you assume that other people weren't doing it at the same time? I think that's an unsafe assumption to make. And I think that if you're looking at MMA and you're determining the best of all time, that you have to – think to yourself like why am i giving other people from that same era a pass just based on because they they weren't implicated i guess you can say because they weren't implicated that perhaps they they weren't using it maybe but uh i think that john jones his resume is the best in in mixed martial arts history think of how easy it is to finish someone in the 205 pound division how easy it is how quickly you can finish somebody how Hard these guys hit. I mean, this is one division below heavyweight. Nobody in the heavyweight division, I think Stipe has the record three title defenses, is the record at heavyweight all time. John Jones has 11 title defenses. Or actually, yeah, he's 14-0-0 with one no contest in title fights. has 11 title defenses. In a weight class, that's one weight class below heavyweight. Think of how prolific that is. He basically beat two generations of talent in a division. Like two eras were wiped out by John Jones. Think of how unbelievable that is. He's still the champion. So that's why I think he's the greatest of all time. But these kind of things that are happening outside of the sporting realm in his personal life certainly put a blemish on his legacy. People are always gonna remember that John Jones had these issues with the law. They're always gonna remember that John Jones has failed drug tests. These are things that are gonna follow him. And I don't know if he cares. I I mean I, I, if people say, "Hey, he's the greatest fighter of all time," but and that's good enough for him, then you know I still don't think he should be getting into these situations. But maybe he can be at peace with that. So for John Jones, I uh, again I hope that he gets the help that he needs. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how the UFC are going to deal with this situation. But uh, he could get suspended again for personal conduct. He could have the title stripped from him. Who knows? Who knows? Right now, the UFC have bigger fish to fry than Jon Jones. They're trying to figure out how to put on events. They're trying to figure out what the future of their company is. And right now, Endeavor, you know, Variety, Hollywood Reporter, all these major outlets are reporting that Endeavor is in real pro- trouble right now because they have took on such a big debt to acquire not only the UFC but other entities that they have acquired over the years, and their partner Silver, Silver Lake can put the heat on them. Like that's their equity partner. So the UFC right now are thinking of bigger things than John Jones. But this story with John Jones comes at a time where the news cycle is quiet. It's not a good time for John Jones to have these situations. I mean, it's never a good time, of course, but right now in particular, when all of these different situations are happening in the, in the world, and there's no MMA going on, all eyes are on John Jones right now. Everybody is looking at what happened with John Jones, and he's being judged as a result of that. So, again, to John Jones, I hope that uh, he gets whatever help he needs. Honestly, I do. I don't have uh, any issues with John Jones. I'm just being forthright when I say that uh, there's a real problem here. It needs to be addressed, and uh, hopefully it is addressed, and hopefully he can get it together. But, again, it sounds like a broken record at this point, and uh, I I fully understand that, and I acknowledge that. So um, all I can say is that... I hope that uh, things end up working out for John and his family because that's all you can do is hope for the best for everybody. I'm glad that nobody got hurt in this situation. If he was indeed firing uh, firearms, if he was indeed under the influence and was was planning on driving, I don't know if he was under the influence when he drove earlier that night, who knows, but I'm glad everybody made it out of that without any sort of injuries or any sort or even worse could, it could have been a really bad situation. Could have gotten been a much worse situation, but, uh, you know, John Jones, when he was uh, when he faced the judge, I think it was back in 2016. Brett Okamoto posted the uh, the video where the judge said, no, "I don't want to see you here again." So this is a uh, this is a serious offense. Uh, you know, aggravated DWI is not, not not a joke. It's not no joking matter in the legal system. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I hate to be talking about this again. I really don't want to be talking about John Jones getting arrested again. You know, I saw somebody on Twitter say that the the uh, MMA media are taking pot shots at him or relishing this. I don't relish in this at all. I think that it's awful. I truly do. And I do hope that uh, he's able to get the help that he, he needs. Welcome back to the TSN MMA show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. And uh, now I will bring you an interview that I did earlier this week with James Krause, THE James Krause, who uh, talked to me about the John Jones situation, about his situation with the Texas Commission, and uh, another fighter that is represented by his manager, having issues with that particular commission and also about real estate. He's very into real estate, James Krause. So listen to this man. If you're in a, in a situation where you have the ability to buy real estate, you might want to get some pointers from this man. I'm now joined by the James Kraus, joining me from his uh basement. Is this your basement? It looks like a basement.
1: No, it's my gym. Actually
0: it's, uh, Oh wow. Definitely doesn't look like a basement yeah. anymore. Now I see a whole no, no. and everything.
1: Yeah, we're, we're closed right now. Obviously I was just uh getting some work done, get some cleaning done. Uh, Using the using the time to try to improve everything here.
0: Cool. Well, uh, it's good to have you joining me. I, I heard your interview with Ariel the other day, and uh, like me, you're finding that this whole situation kind of gives you a fresh breath of air in terms of
1: uh, <coughs> in terms of life, a new outlook. Yeah. So the like I, I've been kind of saying this. I've said this to pretty much everybody that that wants to talk about it. But like, there's two things. One is in every lottery, there's there's a person that wins money and there's a person that pays taxes. They're the same person. It just depends on what kind of attitude you have. And then two, it's like, you have all this, you have all this free time, man. Like, why are we not, you know, why are we not taking advantage of this? Or, or maybe you are taking advantage of it. And, uh, I'm not going to be left behind. I'm not going to let this stuff define me. I mean, there's always something that can be done and I've been doing everything that I can to, to get ahead of the curve and, you know, uh, trying to do as many interviews as possible. Uh, just, and just stay ahead, man. Have like an omnipresence, you know, be everywhere at once.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's, it's cool to see. Uh, and obviously we don't know what's going to happen with the fights coming up, but, uh, are any of your teammates uh, scheduled? Anybody that you're you're, uh, training with or anybody that you're, you're training in specific?
1: So I only have three guys right now that have a scheduled fight and, you know, we'll see how all that, all that goes. But what, uh, the nearest one is Zach Cummings. He's, he is the week after Khabib and Tony we're hearing like all kinds of things about where the fight's going to be, where it's going to take place. Uh, I'm hearing, I'm hearing Tony Khabib's going to be in South Korea. I'm hearing, uh, or yeah, I'm hearing South Korea. I'm hearing Abu Dhabi, Dubai. I'm hearing for the Nebraska card. I'm hearing they're moving that to Oklahoma on Indian reservation land. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, nobody knows. Like, so we'll see, we'll see how it turns out. And then I'll have a couple guys on contender series, which will be at the apex. I, I, I feel pretty confident that, after that 30 days or whatever, it'll be lifted and things will go back to semi-normal. I mean, I, surely they're not going to crash our economy getting through this. I just can't, you know what I mean? Like 30 days is, is already hit enough. I can't imagine them pushing it to 60.
0: What's Zach's mindset like knowing that he has to uh, fight without really knowing, um, you know, whether he can train with people, where the fight, <laughs> all of these different intangibles that are going to get thrown at him over the next little while.
1: That's a tough one. I mean, I, I like just like anybody right now I mean I think it's it's really really difficult to to get good training in I think fortunately for Zach and fortunately for our team is like you know I'm I'm the only one here right now so I have the keys you know I own the gym so he has his own gym too so it's 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 definitely able to get the work in and then also we're able to provide you know semi private training for him to where it's you know he can get the work in if he needs to you know uh whatever he needs right now he's he's a priority whatever he needs we'll make sure and facilitate for him to to make sure he's uh properly prepared as he can be to go into this fight
0: some news came down yesterday that Journey Newsom's fight is being overturned. Is your agent, Jason House, going to book you guys in Texas ever again? So he has the Jonathan Martinez situation. Obviously, your situation yeah. where the judge gave you uh, gave your opponent the first round of your fight, uh, fight that you had his back for essentially four minutes. And now yep. his other client has his fight overturned for marijuana. <coughs> so uh, is, have you spoken <coughs> to Jason about this? And what, what's his plans in terms of the Texas going forward? Ugh.
1: I mean he's working to overturn mine too. I really don't care about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not something that I'm seeking out. I don't even know where he's at in the process, to be honest with you. I mean, this, this is, this is the thing though, man, like there has to be some type of, of consequence or, or something has to happen for, for, for the, you know, for the commission. Like, I don't know what that is. I mean, the, the new something, I don't agree with it. You know, I don't agree with, uh, I mean, I've never, I've never, I've never smoked weed in my life, man. Never even tried it. But I disagree with that. I think it's ridiculous that you can get overturned for that. You know, all that being said, the rules were there. So you did know the rules. You know what I mean? Like, I don't agree with it. I think it's a dumb rule, but it was a rule and the rules were very clear beforehand, you know, but like, and it's just, it's dumb. Like we got, I think I just feel like the commissions felt the same way about this whole thing as as you and I did, you know, like, Hey, let's take a step back and let's look at all the rules that we have in place. Let's look at everything going on. You know what I mean? Like, let's take a step back and maybe modernize the sport a little bit, but it just doesn't seem like, doesn't seem like they're none of them. None of them are, man. They're not, none of them are proactive. None of them are trying to, it, it's stupid, man. It really, is. it's so frustrating as a fighter. These, these freaking dorks that walk in and have never watched a fist fight in their life are changing people's lives and they have no idea. You know what I mean? They're there to collect a $200 check or wherever the hell it is that night. And, uh, you know, they, they have the they they have the power, you know, and that's what they love about. It. I have the power. Don't talk to me like that. You can't you can't do that to me. You can't say that to me like, dude, there has to be some type of consequence for these for these guys making these decisions that essentially are changing people's lives.
0: Do you fear that the commission's not going to overturn the result of your fight? I mean, from all the evidence that I, I gathered, it seems like this is a pretty open and shut case. But you just never know. Like you said, power is important to a lot of these commissions. They don't want to admit fault.
1: Yeah, I would be extremely surprised if they were return. it. Jason feels great about it. I don't, uh, and I really don't care. I mean, I've already lost everything that I wanted anyway. I wanted to win. I wanted my win bonus. I now mean, I've already lost anything that would mean anything to me. So uh, it really doesn't mean jack to me, to be honest with you. But I think there's like a principle in there at some point. But yeah, it's it's ridiculous, man. It, it, it really is, dude. I don't even know. I'm so frustrated about it. Still, we're like a month and a half removed now, and I'm still frustrated about it. It's it's just a little ridiculous, is all. It's it, something needs to happen.
0: If I told you that there was a single round scored worse than your round against uh, Trevin Giles, would you believe me in this calendar year?
1: No, who? I would ask you to prove it. Who?
0: In Virginia, uh, TJ. I Brown, was there. Yeah, TJ Brown fought um, against Jordan Griffin, and I think it was yep, in the. Second, I remember the fact. Yeah, in the second round, Jordan Griffin won via submission. Yep. And Virginia has a policy where regardless of the outcome of a fight being determined, you need to submit your score for the round after it's done. So a lot of the judges were giving round 10 sevens and whatever if someone had won or lost the round. Yeah. One judge gave TJ Brown that round, the round where he was submitted and like yeah, so unconscious.
1: I mean, but he – if I remember correctly, he was losing the round before if you take the sub away, right? So that's all perception, right? I mean, are you scoring the round with the sub? I mean, that's the problem with rules like that, is like I, correct me if I'm wrong, but like I feel like I feel like TJ was winning that round. He was getting the takedowns, right? Before take the submission, take the finish out of it. Yeah. He was winning that round. It's
0: possible. I, th- I think the judges kind of were figuring that, that out on the fly because they were like, We need to submit yeah, our round. That's the problem, so, sevens.
1: Yeah, so, so if I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, I would have given that round to TJ before the uh, before the submission. Obviously, he would like if you stop it. If the if the round if the round if he got subbed at two twenty one, if you go two twenty back, I remember TJ Brown winning. So maybe that's what that guy thought. I don't you know what I mean. Like I don't know. There's no it's it's completely up for interpretation, and that is the problem with all of this. Is like there's no set guidelines on anything, and I'm not saying we gotta like, you know, I'm not saying we gotta have it perfect. But golly, man, let's get some consistency across the board here on what we're looking at.
0: Well, you—you you actually might have just convinced me that your round actually ended up being worse than a guy who lost in the fight and got and won. <laughs> man, <the round.
1: laughs> my, hey, my four-year-old daughter—and I'm not exaggerating this—my four-year-old daughter, and I'm, not this, my daughter, and I'm uh, this is not a joke. My four-year-old daughter knows I won that round. She does. She's like, "Daddy, good job. You won. You won the round." Real? I can't make this up, dog. I can't make this up. My four year old. You can pull
0: somebody off the street. My wife doesn't watch MMA. I could show her that round right now. We could watch it together. I could bring her down. Yeah. Watch it together. I guarantee you that she would give you that round, not knowing a single thing about MMA.
1: Yeah, it's crazy to me, man. It really is, and it's like, oh, I, I just, you know, whatever. Water under the bridge. Like I can't do anything about it now. I try not to. I try not to let things that are out of my control get me riled up. Uh, this one's a sensitive subject, though. So, uh, yeah, it's it sucks, man. It really does. Well, let's go to another sensitive subject.
0: This one is not that sensitive towards you, but uh, John Jones this morning uh, unfortunately got arrested for uh, aggravated DWI as well as three other uh, counts. Um, I believe one was uh, having an open alcohol container, another was uh, a firearm charge, and another was uh, not having insurance. If I'm not mistaken, I think those were the four. What?
1: Times. He doesn't have it. Put the damn thing on auto pay. What is wrong with you? Yeah,
0: what? I think he didn't have a, the, the slip, the valid insurance slip, in his car. Oh, uh, bro. What, what, what Can you imagine
1: being this? his? Can you imagine being his manager? You just wake up. You're having a good day. You're making that John Jones money. You know you manage other high-level guys. Like, man, today is a good day. Bing, John Jones arrested. DWI, whatever. It's like, golly, man. Uh, some people just can't get the hell out of their own way. And he seems to be one of these guys. He's got all the money that you could ever ask for. Uh He's got all the fame you could ever need. Uh, he's a he is a uh, maybe potentially one of the one of the if not the best fighter to ever play this game. Uh, from a business perspective, from a from a, uh, a technical perspective, fighter perspective, ranking perspective, pound for pound, whatever you want to call it, he's one of the best to ever do this. And man, to have that even questioned by some of the stuff, some of the deci- decisions he makes is. You can't change people though, you know what I mean? Like that's the thing is like people are people, and uh, and we talked about this man. So this goes back into like I don't want to like lecture the audience by any means, but like there's there like with this whole quarantine thing, there's people with fights coming up, and it's like uh, Tyler Tyler Mint he does nutrition, and he's like I was thinking about sending this thing out uh, to all the managers to, to the guys, and, and it's basically talking about like. The COVID nineteen virus and how eating healthy and being on a diet and you know being a healthier person can help with all that. And uh, I said, bro, like I love it. The article's great, but it's like winners, a winner's mindset. Winners find a way to make it work. They find a way to win. You know what I mean? They they will sacrifice whatever to win. You know, and it's it's the guys that don't won't. So it's like no email you can send out or no DWI you can give somebody. Is going to change the personality. You know what I mean. Like John Jones is an incredible fighter. He is a a, a stupid person though. Like God, the, some of the decisions he makes are just ridiculous. Do
0: you think that it has a negative impact on the sport or looks bad on the sport?
1: No, I mean you can't you can't you can't uh, blame the sport for one individual, especially with fighting. Good lord, ninety five percent of the people come from low income housing and broken homes. He's probably not one of them though, which is. You know, even more ridiculous. Uh no, you can't you can't I mean how many NFL guys you you see this every all the time there. You can't blame the sport for for one individual's actions. That's ridiculous. Don't put me in that category. Do you
0: think that there's a chance they strip him of the title? He's had the title stripped on three different occasions, once with the interim and and two other times with the undisputed title.
1: I mean, if if they do, it's all a business ploy to sell more tickets for Whoever, I don't, here's why I don't think they would. The only way that they'll strip that title is if they try to set up a rematch with uh, DC or a super fight with Stipe. If the only way that they would strip that title is for him to fight for the title again. You know what I mean? They're not taking that title away from him unless they're setting it up for something else. And I'm not, uh, once again, that's not a, I'm not saying the UFC is a bunch of, you know, it's not, I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong, but that's the cash cow. You know what I mean? Like if he's defending the title against, Jan Blachowicz or or whoever, pick your pick your your number 3 ranked guy or whatever, any next in line guy, they're not stripping him of that title. Now, if they want to do Super Fight, DC or Stipe, I could see them stripping it to set up, you know, the promo. That's the game, man. You know the game. Come on, bro. You know how this is played. Come on. Oh, you
0: never know. They could use it for promotional. value. I mean, they used Conor throwing a dolly through a bus for promotional value, so maybe they would use this as well.
1: Oh, I, I mean, it whatever sells tickets, especially especially now. I'm t- they're getting desperate, you know what I mean? Like, especially now.
0: Well, it's the promotion business, I guess. Uh, let's go back to what you were saying about Zach's fight, that it could be happening in Oklahoma. It looks like yeah. uh, Dana White's also looking to, to add some fights to UFC 249 in case some are gonna fall through. I, I know a lot of the uh, athletes are having some issues training in general and might not feel like their preparedness is up to snuff. If you get a call on short notice, are you going to will you jump at that opportunity? You have your gym right now. It doesn't seem like you're totally affected. Obviously, you're going to have, not going to have as many training partners, but is that something you'd want to do?
1: What do you think? I think Of course that, I will. I think Come on. That, that you, that you know a better raise than Last that. time
0: around, you jumped
1: in at 185 on on hours notice. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to make that money. Let's go. Sign me up. Give me a raise again. Let's holler. Let's go. I'm ready. Would you do Put me at in there today. Again? Yeah. 100%. 205. <laughs> Dog. I, here's the thing. I am not afraid to fight anybody on this planet. Like there is nobody, there is nobody that you. If you say, "Look, this guy," you pick the guy, and if the money matches the opponent, sign me up. It's it's done. So I've got, it's done. I'm not. Go ahead, give me a scenario. Would you or would I've got you not? Four hundred
0: thousand dollars for you if you fight Francis and Indiana.
1: Yep, done, done. I'll turn that four hundred to four million, dog. Let's go all day. Like you don't understand. I'd probably do it for less. Hundred percent, I would. No,
0: no you don't want to. Don't don't ask, don't try to get a discount here.
1: No, I'm not. Trust me, but I've, I, I dude, I've said this before. <clears throat> I'm not like I'm not like a superstar in MMA. You know what I mean? Like I think like my my popularity peak is right now for taking the fight, uh, and and like Connor, Connor is, Connor's the top dog in in terms of MMA business. There's nobody even close to him, but. In terms of MMA business, I'm talking make money from professional sports, from the UFC or any, any high level organization, take that money to create something bigger. There's not many people that have played the game of MMA better than me. I'm just, I'm just telling you, like I've, I've taken, I've taken the little amount of money that I made compared to these other guys. And I've, I've taken myself and I've, I've made it work, work for me, man, like there's not many people that that do that, like I do.
0: How have you done that so successfully? And uh, is this something you'd want to teach seminars on? I'm sure a lot of fighters would love to get this kind of information.
1: Yeah, just ask. I I have I tell, tell people all the time. You know, it's funny. Is I actually I plan on doing a live video on the benefits of real estate for for fighters. I mean, <laughs> there's so real estate is where I've done the majority of mine. Like this gym, uh, this gym is I own this gym. I own this building, nine thousand square foot building. Uh, and I have another gym opening up a third location. I have a couple of affiliates and I have, I think, six or seven rental properties, six rental properties, uh, my own house. Uh, as soon as I get off this interview, I'm going to go, I just put countertops in one of my rentals. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go check them out after. So, the, I mean, there's so many benefits, to, so many benefits to, uh, to real estate and professional sports. It doesn't take a lot of time. And if it does take a lot of time, you can always hire somebody to do it. Like property management companies do it all the time. And it to get involved, like I don't want to. I don't want to turn this this show into like a real estate uh, seminar. But
0: no,
1: feel free. <laughs> real estate is the only investment in the world where you can get top line cash flow and have somebody else pay your bill, right? So I'm gonna give you an example. So I just bought a I just bought a property. Let's just call. It, I'm gonna give you nice round numbers. Let's just say I paid a hundred thousand dollars for it. Now, once again, these aren't real numbers. They're just they're fake numbers. So. uh, hundred thousand dollars for it. I, let's just say I can get one to one is pretty typical. Like that's what you want to shoot for. So if I paid a hundred thousand dollars for it, let's say I can get a thousand dollars a month for it. Right. And rent and rent my payment. Let's just call it after taxes and everything. Let's call it let's just say 700. Right. So, uh, cash flows and you're going to have to put money down too. If it's an investment property, like if it's your first house, there's a bunch of different things. Like you're looking at 3.5% down. You can get this house for $3,500. But if you're like me and you have a couple, like you're looking at 15 to 20% down. So let's say I put 20 down, I put 20,000 down. Okay. I'm cash flowing 350 a month. And everybody's like, so you put 20,000 down to get 350 a month. That doesn't make sense. Well, it's not 350 a month. Hold on a second. We're forgetting about a couple key factors here. Number one, I'm cash flowing 350, right? Number two, they're also paying my payment, which is let's just call it five hundred. Yeah, then they're paying it. So basically, I'm making three hundred and fifty dollars a month for them to pay my payment down. So in five years, let's do some math here. Uh they've paid fifty thousand uh no, that's not right. They've paid well it's close. They paid close to fifty thousand dollars down. So I in five years that house is half paid for already. I'm not going to pay that off i'm going to take that equity out and buy another one and keep repeating the process. It's called the burr method, but essentially you're getting cash flow for somebody else to pay your bill. you're getting paid to buy a house is what's happening and now we didn't even talk about inflation. you can inflate uh you can inflate rental prices three percent a year. Uh, we didn't talk about uh the value that shoots up in the course of real estate uh and there's never been a 10 year period in the in the real estate history where the value of real estate has gone down. It's went up, down, down, tanked, but it always in 10 years, any 10 year slide it always is up. And it's always going to go up because look, there's only so much real estate. So and let's just say you do this a few times like I've been talking to Eddie Alvarez, he's he's a he's another real estate guy. Uh, there's a bunch of them in there that are investors, not not necessarily real estate agents and I'm talking investors. And at the end of this, like when you're 20 years in, man, you're talking about that hundred out hundred thousand dollar house is going to be worth three fifty now. It's paid down. You're still cash flowing each month, and you can live off the cash flow, or whenever you want to retire, you sell off all your properties and live off the off the off the equity. It's it's crazy, man. Like it's 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 almost like a cheat code in life if you can get it. And there's so many ways. I didn't even talk about how to like. Get in with little money. I didn't talk about things like I have two Airbnbs. Th- those are like cheat codes. in so I'm I'm netting. I'm profiting like twenty five to thirty five hundred dollars a month from one Airbnb. Not right now. Everybody canceled. But right, like right the now last going to the yeah. Airbnb. Right now I haven't. But I've done that for a year and a half. So I'm good. I got money in the bank. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've I've built that up. It's crazy, man. It's a cheat code. It's a cheat code in life. It's a cheat code in real estate investing. Like it's hard for me to invest in anything else because the returns on real estate are so good.
0: I've got some advice for you. Don't move to Toronto. That's my advice. No, you. it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, the average, it's so expensive. the average detached house last month was over a million dollars. That was sold.
1: Oh, bro, <laughs> here, here in, uh, here in Kansas City, dude, the, the housing market is ridiculous. You can buy, you can buy such a nice house here for, dude. I bought a few years ago, five, five years ago, probably four or five years ago. I bought a brand new, four thousand square foot house, three car garage, brand new, never lived in for uh, 330.
0: Yeah, that would cost about $2 million in Toronto.
1: 330. Yep, I just renovated a 4,500 square foot house and in less than a year, I have $55,000 equity in it. That's amazing, man. I'm about to pull that out, pull that out, buy another rental.
0: You've, you've got to figure it out. I mean, that that is a great way to do it. If you can figure out ways to, um, like you said, not put that much money down and, and cash in on that, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a great way uh, for you to retire early.
1: I mean it's just it's just a it's another it's just another revenue stream you know what I mean like something that you can it's nice to have right now it sucks but uh everywhere still though, people need places to live always always no matter how the how bad the economy gets somebody somewhere somebody always needs a place to live
0: all right James well thanks for this and thanks for the real estate tips if you're listening and you're right now is a good time to buy because
1: it is well it'll be worse it'll be worse in guns. a couple of months it'll be worse
0: you think it'll be even, it'll be a, a better time to buy in a couple of months you mean
1: yeah, real estate really hasn't taken a big hit yet because we're still in that thirty-day swing. But if they start quarantining for 60, 90 days, you're going to see people get desperate. I'm telling you, uh, real estate hasn't really faded much yet. Uh, you- you're not seeing the deals yet. It'll be in a couple months though when when people their job they get laid off from their job or whatever, like and they they're living above their means now. It'll be two or three months you'll see it. You'll see the real estate market tank. Guarantee it. You'll see it. All right, James, Mark well, that down in your calendar. Hit me up in three months. It won't happen you'll in see. Toronto, but I'm sure elsewhere it will. No, no, <laughs> it won't. It won't. Well, you'll see. It'll happen. It'll happen, but there's a lot of money in Toronto, so like the, the money there, it'll get bought up by the people with money.
0: All right, James, thanks again for this. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Appreciate you. bro.
0: What is the UFC going to do about UFC 249? That's the big question right now. Where are they going to hold this event? Some speculation. I mean, we heard in the interview with James Krause from before that, uh, James has heard places like South Korea, Dubai, Abu Dhabi are uh, all in play. I think we will know the answer sooner rather than later from Dana White. They have figured out a venue. James Krause says that he has also heard that uh, subsequent events might be held uh, on a, a uh, reservation in Oklahoma. The UFC seem adamant to make this these events continue to happen. I, and again, I do hope that they do this in a safe manner. It It seems very interesting that they are eager to, to keep these events going, but I can understand why. You know, I keep mentioning this, but the NBA has 1,230 games per season. The UFC holds 42 or 43 events per year. There's a big difference in the amount of money that they make per event from their content rights holders than a, a, a league that holds that many games. Look at the baseball season. It's been postponed. Opening day has been postponed. Think of how many games, 162 games per per team per season. And how many games are there per night? Like, It's crazy the amount of inventory that they lose because of the coronavirus. And uh, it's not just pro sports that's getting hit by this, but when you look at the pro sports landscape and how it's been affected, I mean, the NBA and NHL seasons might just be cut short. Like, they're not going to have a winner this year. No NCAA Final Four. There's not going to be an NCAA champion this year in uh, several tournaments, not just the the men's Final Four, but a lot of different tournaments are uh, not going to be able to crown winners this year. The Olympics have been postponed by a year. The sporting Climate is getting hit hard, but the UFC continues to say that they're going to trudge forward. So what's their plan? We should know more soon, but uh, I'm I'm very eager to see what they're able to do. And it seems like Tony versus Khabib is something that is really high on their list of priorities to, uh, to save. Now, whether other fights uh, on this card are able to be salvaged, we'll see. Dana White says they're trying to build a massive card for that night. They're going to be completely unopposed on April 18th. I would be shocked if there are any other sports that night, uh, at least of uh, from from major sporting leagues in North America. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. So, if they are able to put on a card in front of an empty arena, you're going to have captivated the sporting world, and from a business perspective. I think that it's, it would be massive for the UFC. It would be massive for their parent company, Endeavor. It would be big for ESPN to get the show live sports. Of course, TSN is going to get the show the prelims. Um, the pay-per-view business, I think, will we'll certainly benefit from it. I don't know if any bars are open to be able to capitalize on having an event shown uh, in their venue. I mean, I mean, somewhere in the world there will be. But um, I think Dana, Dana White is approaching this as if this is... Almost an essential service, like that. This that this sport needs to happen. That his his sport needs to put on events in order to uh, help people during a tough time, which is uh, certainly an interesting approach, to say the least. So, let's see what happens with uh, with Dana White and with uh, the UFC. I think that we're going to get a little bit of closure on that uh, in the coming days and and find out what their future plans are. Are they going to continue? Are they going to hold every event? Dana White was saying you might see events during the week. Like they're trying to get access to the Apex and being able to do events there at some point in time. So we're going to see if the mandate changes. But it doesn't seem like the spreading of the coronavirus in the U.S. is slowing down. Quite the opposite. That's what surprises me. That we're hearing people talk about. Oh, we can't shut everything down forever. Well, I mean, the alternative's not very good. <laughs> it's not a very good alternative to uh, not. Uh, have people engage in social distancing and, and self isolation like this virus seems to be able to seems to be affecting just about everybody of all ages, it's not just older people, not just people that are uh have immunodeficiencies. This is hitting people of all ages, and apparently it's not a fun thing to endure you know they're they're saying a lot of people are saying that it's hurting their you know their respiratory system, people are being hospitalized, they need more ventilators like this is not a joke, this is no joke. So I think that people are being, it's nice that people are being optimistic that they can just continue running their business as normal and reboot the economy as if nothing's going on. But uh, I I think that the reality of the situation would dictate otherwise. I'm happy that we live in Canada. It seems like uh, it's being taken very, very seriously here. Uh, The Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, recently said that he's not expecting anything to, the, the curve to flatten until June or July. And I think that is Looking at things from a very realistic standpoint, it's a sad reality, of course, because we're all kind of trapped at home. And uh, you go to to stores, and you don't recognize how society is operating. You got signs everywhere. You got entrances blocked, and you know these are essential services, of course. I, you know, I don't recommend people are leaving their house for things other than that. You can go for a walk, go outside, as long as you're keeping your distance from people. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I think that it is fairly interesting to see that they are looking to just run the UFC as if everything's fine. Not as if everything's fine, so to speak, but like as if they're just going to be able to run it without any sort of complications. And I think that, uh, again, it's a risk-reward situation. Hopefully they are taking a serious look at the risks before they decide to uh, reap the rewards. Now, in terms of uh, what's coming up, if they are able to get UFC 249 to happen, like there are a lot of very, very interesting matchups that are going to take place on that card. And uh again, uh, I I'm not going to sit here and say there's no way I would cover this event or anything along those lines. I'm I'm eager eagerly anticipating UFC 249. And uh I'm not trying to turn a blind eye to what's going on in society, but if they're going to hold the event, I'm going to watch it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to I've seen some people say that they're going to boycott it, and that's their decision. Everybody's entitled to their personal decision of what they want to do. Um so uh I uh I'm going to just Take a look at the fight card now. I'm pulling it up here in front of me. You got Khabib versus Ferguson. Now, which of these fights happen? I don't know. I don't know if there are fighters that are not going to make this trip or whatever. But I've seen interviews with a lot of the people that are saying that they are planning to be on this event. So uh, from the top, you got Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson. We're going to discuss that fight more in depth in the in the coming weeks for sure. You got Jessica Andrade versus Rose Namajunas. Rose is looking to uh, get that one back. Great co-main event. You know, people say it's a non-title fight, but you're talking about two former champions that were both champions within the last year. Nice rematch from uh, their main event in Brazil last year, in Rio de Janeiro, which I happened to be at. Magomed Ankalaev against Iwan Kutelaba. We saw how that one ended a couple weeks back. Controversial fashion. This is a great matchup, um, but I think... All Iwan is going to think twice about uh, pretending that he is compromised during a fight in order to bait his opponent into a, a firefight. That was not, not not a good idea, clearly. And that fight was stopped uh, prematurely by Kevin McDonald. But I think that Iwan Kutalaba has to shoulder some of the blame for that situation. Islam Makhachev versus Alexander Hernandez. This is a really interesting fight. Alexander Hernandez was considered one of the top prospects in um, the lightweight division. Fell to Donald Cerrone last year, has not fought since. Oh, no, he's fought once since. He won a decision. Who did he beat? I'm going to go back. I'm going to just take a look. He has won one time since uh, his loss to Cowboy Cerrone in a controversial decision to Francisco Trinaldo. Uh, very, very close fight. Don't let the unanimous part of that decision fool you. Uh, against Islam Makhachev. Islam Makhachev, uh, a highly touted fighter from Dagestan for some time, has only one loss in the UFC. It was to Adriano Martins, and that was... More than four years ago. Since then, wins over Chris Wade, Nick Lentz, Clayton Tebow, Cajun Johnson, Armen Tsarukian, and uh, Davy Ramos. So uh, a pretty solid streak for Machavariani, who will look to earn potentially the be- best victory of his career against Alexander Hernandez. Uh, Jeremy Stevens against Stevens against uh, Calvin Cater. I spoke to Calvin Cater last week. He's excited about this particular fight. And uh, he's kind of freaked out by the coronavirus, and I don't blame him, but he says he's training even harder than he normally would as a result of the anger that he's generated from this situation. And, of course, Jeremy Stevens is not an easy out for anybody. This would be a massive win for Calvin Cater if he can get it. And for Jeremy Stevens it would be uh, a win that keeps him relevant in the uh, featherweight uh, conversation in terms of title contention. Uriah Hall against Jacare Souza. Jacare moving back to the middleweight division. And uh, he recently said in an interview that he he's all systems go. He believes that his fight with Hall is going to happen on that date. Uh, Lyman Good against Bilal Muhammad. This is a a solid matchup as well. Lyman Good coming off of a, a pretty solid win, if I recall. I know he had that bad loss to Demian Maia, but yeah, a uh, win over uh, Chance Ran- Rencounter, uh, third round knockout over Chance Rencounter, who I believe, has since been released from the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Bilal Muhammad, a uh, very, very tough out. He's uh, on a two-fight win streak against uh, Curtis Millender and uh, Takashi Sato. His only losses in the UFC, Jeff Neal, Vicente Luque, and Alan Joban. So uh, a pretty solid resume for him, given his wins over Tim Means, Jordan Meehan, Randy Brown. You've also got uh, Kama Worthy, who had a, a, a huge win in his UFC debut against uh, Devontae Smith. He was a massive underdog was at a common concert the week prior, gets a phone call to take this uh, this fight on short notice, taking on Othman Azaitar, one of the uh, three Moroccan fighters in the UFC. Uh, heavyweight, Ben Rothwell against uh, Jean Volante. Another uh, very, very interesting matchup as Jean Volante makes his heavyweight debut in the UFC. In the bantamweight division, Sejara Eubanks moving back up to the ban- or uh, staying, uh, sorry, rather, up at the bantamweight division against uh, Sarah Morris. Carl Roberson, so more, sorry, the only Canadian on the card. Uh, Carl Roberson taking on Mahmoud Muradov and uh, Hunter Azure against Umar Nuragomedov making his UFC debut. So let's see uh, how many of these fights actually come into fruition. Dana White also hinted that they might be having Francis Ngannou versus uh, Jair Rosenstruck on this card. Neither would have to cut any weight. Uh, well, <laughs> the Ngannou might. I don't know what is walking around at uh, these days. I saw a picture of him with uh, Eric Nixick recently, and he looks gigantic. But uh, he always looks gigantic, so it's hard to know how much he actually weighs at the, at the moment. But he might have to cut weight. <laughs> Probably not much. Heavyweights don't, typic- don't typically have a hard time cutting the weight. So uh, that's what UFC 249 looks like so far. So a few more interviews to get to. We have interviews with both Elliot Marshall and Jared Gordon that uh, I'm excited to share with you. And they'll be uh, on this particular show Uh Again, uh, you can you can check out my content on tsn.ca slash UFC slash video if you're looking for video content. And on my Twitter page, I'm doing a morning chat called uh, Coffee and Combat where I'm chatting with uh, different athletes, different uh, media members every morning and enjoying uh, some coffee with them. So far, we've had uh, Joseph Benavides and Megan Olivion, Brian Kelleher, uh, the schmo who came out of character, rare appearance out of character for the schmo. And um, also an interview. Uh, also, a segment I'm doing daily called uh, Various Mirchartists with uh, Gerald Mirchart. We're listening to a different album every day and uh, breaking that down. So let's get to uh, the interview that I did with Elliot Marshall. Uh, I really appreciated Elliot's time. Elliot uh, and I both suffer from a generalized anxiety disorder. So we talked a little bit about that and uh, what it's like going through that in uh, in these times of the coronavirus. So uh, I was pleased to be joined by Elliot Marshall, and he joins me here on the TSN MMA show. I'm now joined by the head coach of Elevation Fight Team, Elliot Marshall. Elliot, uh, thanks for joining me.
2: Uh, no worries, man. Thanks for having me, Aaron.
0: So we're in I- uncertain times. The reason why I wanted to have you on uh, as a guest is uh, I listened to your interview with Ariel Hawani and felt uh, a real connection with you because uh, I suffer from generalized anxiety disorder. And uh, I know you've been very open about uh, your trials with anxiety over the years. Right now is obviously a very difficult time for a lot of people, yourself included. You're a gym owner um, and you're, you're probably in isolation yourself. I just want to know what kind of advice you would have for people right now that are feeling, you know, whether it's lonely, whether it's uh, worried about uh, the coronavirus. How are you approaching this? First of all, I, I think what I would uh,
2: – people with generalized anxiety disorder, maybe like you and me, we probably handle okay right now because we're so used to being scared and nervous for absolutely no reason, right? <laughs> like, so I, I don't know. Uh, that I, maybe, And maybe that's just me. Um, but my advice is to is to do things, right? There are things that we can do every day to feel normal, right? Like you know, in this very, very uh, unnormal time. Choose something to get better at. Choose, find something to learn and really like dedicate to it. Like right now,, uh, I don't know, man, I'm trying to figure out how to take a, a like literally as we called, Uh, I have my labels in my Gmail and I want to add them to my contacts and like I can't figure it out. So I'm sitting here (laughs) trying to learn it and I'm going like one by one copying and pasting. I know it's not the way, but it's occupying my mind, right? It's giving me something constructive, whether it's really constructive or not, something constructive to do. And
0: then from there, you know, we'll get through the day. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, one of the things that I have taken as kind of a silver lining from this is the ability to be creative. You know, I'm used to having a studio uh, at my fingertips at at TSN uh, Mm -hmm. and used to having people that can edit videos, things like that. I've got to get creative now. You know, if I'm going to create content from basically my basement, what you see behind me is like a shelf in my basement, I've got to think outside the box. You know, about 30 minutes ago, I just did a uh, a Periscope uh, Skype call with Ricky Simone, and I went... To go watch it back. And I was echoing like crazy. Like basically, the whole thing was a waste. But it wasn't really a waste because I got to try something new. And now I have things to work towards, like you mentioned, improving it, making sure that there's no echo the next time out.
2: You'll fix it. You know? Like, I I have all these people, the same thing. Like, I have people that do my podcasts for me, right? Like, they they edit it and they upload it to my lips in and all that stuff. Well, shit. I guess I had to figure out how to do some of that. Right? You know, like I had to be like, yo, how do I do this? And I had to learn, you know, I had to learn a new skill. I had to learn a different way to do things. Um, luckily for me, I've been able, like I learned a little bit of video editing already, you know, so I can edit and things like that. But yeah, man, find whatever it is that you love to do. There's, there's got to be another way that you can do it. There's got to be a way that you can still reach people right now. So figure that like, don't, don't, you can't get stuck in the mud of, oh, woe is me. You know, like, man, this is, uh, I'll be super honest. This has been a shitty year so far. Right. I, uh, for me personally, I got a concussion. I've had a concussion since the beginning, since the second week of January. So I haven't been able to train. I haven't been able to do any of that. Right. Like the things that I normally like to do to help myself. Uh, and then Corona came, you know, and then, uh, I'm, going to be super honest on Saturday, my best friend from growing up, uh, he struggled a little bit with pain his whole life. He ended up overdosing and he died. And so, uh, I, I can't get wrapped up in the, in the, in the sadness of all of it though. You know, like I love him. I love him to death. I miss him, but, uh, he would not want me to sit around and, and, and not chase and, and not, not be me because he's not here. You know, I think about them every minute of the day, but, you know, 30 years, but here we are, you know, here we are. I still have to, I still have to make sure things happen.
0: Yeah, that's very difficult. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, yeah. That's obviously very tough. A childhood friend of mine uh, like that passed away also in a car accident when I was younger, when I was in university. Mm-hmm. And I still think about him all the time. It's weird. But like you said, it's, it's hard to. Think about that, and then try to rationalize how you have to continue to live your life without wallowing in the sadness. Um, I feel like, from listening to some of your um, Gospel of Fire podcasts, mm-hmm. and again the interview that you did with Ariel, it seems like you've become something of an expert about getting past uh, being anxious. I mean, it, or not really getting past it, but more embracing it and, and using embracing. it as a tool. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's been a son of a bitch, man. You know, it's a son of, it's hard. And I still have my down times, you know, like right after the aerial interview, my concussion got really bad. And then I was up for a couple nights and that's what, boom, that's what, that's what triggers me, you know? And then I had a couple rough weeks where I was, where it was, it was, you know, up and down and shaky, but you just, you just, you lean on your friends and you know that this will pass, right? Like, like, uh, cause it's so hard. I'm, I'm sure like, you know, like all the symptoms you feel are, are very terrible. But you just have to talk to yourself and say, uh, right now, I am okay. And you take a breath. You take a deep breath. And you just feel that. And you try to just harness it. And you just do it again and again and again. And you just repeat, I am okay. I am okay. I am okay. You don't have to worry about in 10 minutes. Because you don't have to be okay in 10 minutes. You just have to be okay right now. Because right now is all we've got. We don't have anything else.
0: And this is a weird question because um, as we've discussed with anxiety, when you were a fighter, was it easier for you to fight because of the anxiety? Like with generalized anxiety, you get anxious about all kinds of weird stuff. But yeah. when you have like, – the best kind of anxiety is the anxiety where you actually have things to be anxious about. Like, <laughs> so was that, yeah. was that easier for you?
2: Yeah, like, like I didn't have any of this shit, like this just – you know, uh, this generalized anxiety. I mean because you're always scared. You're always scared. You're like waiting for Joe Silva because I had Joe Silva. I didn't have Sean Shelby, right? You know, you're waiting for Joe Silva to call like, okay. where is he? Where is he? Is he calling? Is he calling today? All right. Not today. And then he calls and then now you got to fight. Right. So you're like, all right, man, March 5th. All right. You know, so like, you're just anxious all the time. So you, you, uh, generalized anxiety. Like I was saying in the beginning, it's when you have nothing to be scared about. Right. Like right now we're like, uh, you know, my anxiety is pretty chill right now because I got something to be scared about. I got, I got shit to take care of, you know, right? Like, I. So, yeah, there's things to do.
0: Yeah, so I guess to walk people through what generalized anxiety is, is like your, your brain will create things to be anxious about that are kind of like phantom. They're kind of not really there, but they're, they're there in your brain. So it's difficult to get through the day sometimes when that kind of thing happens and the world feels like the walls are kind of closing in. Um, what, what kind of tools have you used to, to deal with it over time? Like when you, when you feel like it's coming on, what do you do?
2: Breath work. Breath work. You know, I, I I you, and people. You know, the the work is that people. You only want to do it. I'm sorry when you're not okay. You're like okay, take deep breaths, but that doesn't help you because you don't know how. Uh, it's like if somebody told me to go build a rocket ship right now because we had to leave the earth because coronavirus is is going to kill us all, I wouldn't know what to do. So you telling me to build a rocket ship, what, you know, huh? That for me, that's what breath work is. If you're not if you don't have a breath work practice every day, good, bad, medium days, kinda medium days, kinda bad days, then it's gonna be very hard to do breath work when it really matters because you're not gonna know how to control that breath. You know? So I mean, I woke up this morning, breath work, meditation, focus on my breathing. And I do different kinds, you know, I do uh, some heart rate variability stuff. I just do some mindfulness sometimes. And then I do uh, some Wim Hof, some Wim Hof breathing. So, like, I I really pay attention to how my breath is working.
0: And where did you learn that skill?
2: Uh, Somebody showed it to me the first time I had anxiety and then I just, you know, then it really worked. You know, it it really worked for me because the breath is the only thing that you really have. You don't really have anything else. You've got nothing. You don't have a car. You don't have a house. You don't have a kid. You don't have a wife. You have your breath. You always have your breath. If you're alive, you have your breath. So therefore, boom, here we are.
0: You still struggle with it at night from what I understand. You have a lot Uh, of trouble sleeping and you wake up in the night. Yeah. so, So what do you do in those situations?
2: I freak out sometimes, you know. Sometimes, sometimes I lose it, you know, like when it's really bad, uh, I'll call my friends if, and you know, when it's really, really bad. And then, uh, this is the best I've ever dealt with it a couple weeks ago. You know, like, uh, uh, you know, I'll take a sleeping pill and then I'll just, which I don't do normally, you know, and then I'll just sit there and, and breathe in Now, and as I'm breathing in and out, I just have my head on the pillow and I say, I'm okay. You know, like uh, the other night, uh, I I was, I I can wake up to a panic attack sometimes. Like it can wake me up out of my sleep. So I have to get my, I have to get it together for a second. I have to sit up. I have to realize what it is. And then, you know, I just came into the office that I'm in right now, turn the light on because that helps my vision. Like I can, I, I it's more clear. And then I just walked, man. And I just walked for an hour, just wall to wall, just nice and calm, nice and, you know, I mean, as calm as I as calm as you can be when having bad anxiety. And then when it ended, I went back to bed.
0: And you were able to go back to sleep? No problem.
2: Uh, yeah. The break of a, the break of a high anxiety episode is very right. You, I'm sure you've had it right. It's like this. Oh, you know, you, you get tired anyway. Like if, if you have one in the middle of the day, you'll, you'll be tired, let alone at four o'clock in the morning do you medicate at all in terms of uh helping to lower uh, your anxiety during the day no oh well, i i have a regular medicine a Lexapro that i take you know but uh do i i mean are you saying like xanax like if, if, if my anxiety peaks or anything like that no no
0: like le- lexapro is a good uh, yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
2: I, I i take i take a i take a prescribed medicine yep
0: mm-hmm. and, yeah, and I'm, I'm in the same boat
2: I think what people think don't realize about the medicines, you know, like the the anti not not like the Xanaxes and the Valiums and the Advans, right? Like, yeah, for sure, those are going to break your anxiety immediately because that's what they're supposed to do. But they have bad problems with them, right? Like you build up tolerances and then it gets ugly, you know. So it's very hard to rely on those things. Um, but the things like the Xan, uh, like the like the Alexa Pros and, and the other anti uh, the SSRI's, the anti anxiety meds. Um, they don't work like ibuprofen, like where people treat them like ibuprofen. They're like, oh, I'll take this and my anxiety will go away. And then it does work for a minute, and then it doesn't work, and then you have more, and then you're you're up a shit's creek. It gives you the space to now do the work that is necessary on yourself to help yourself with treating your own anxiety. That's how I feel about the anti-anxiety meds. If you just take it like it's a pill that's going to solve the problem, not happening. You know, not happening. It's going to run out, and then your anxiety will grow and grow, and then and then you won't know what to do. Um, you have to have steps that you can take. You know, and the steps that you take are that's the work that needs to be done, and it's a constant, everyday work. It is not a sometimes work.
0: You run several martial arts schools. Uh, obviously, you're in touch with the youth that are learning martial arts. Do you talk to them about this kind of thing, about anxiety, about breathing, uh, and, and use talk, that as a tool? I
2: talk to everyone about it. I talk to everyone about it. I'm as open as I can be about it. You know, I, I'm as, oh, I, I try to be an open book. You know, I try to be an open book. Like I just made a post uh, two hours before I found out that my friend passed, uh, and, he, and he was my best friend. You know, we were like, I had no other friends and he had no other friends for like 20 years. It really sucked <laughs> uh, that time. It was just the two of us, you know, uh, I, I had one other friend actually, but that's it. Um, I just made a post about, uh, I ask not to have a lighter burden, but I ask to have broader shoulders. And then I, you know, I did a little, little like quick podcast about it because like the lighter burden, asking for a lighter burden, so many things come from what we can't control, you know? So that was Saturday. I took yesterday off, you know, uh, my normal podcast comes out, like my interview comes out today, tomorrow. What's going to have to come out is how I didn't get to choose to have what happened two two hours later. Like that phone call that I got, I can't control the burden that gets put on my shoulders. You know so I have to be very open I can't just post about something and be like oh yeah look go oh, lighter burden da, 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 and, and like but then when something really happens to me then I go and I run and I hide that's that's not the answer you know that's not the answer I'll, I'll you know I'll let people see me cry I'll let people see me be scared I'll let you know that's um, the only way out in my opinion <laughs> like it's it's the only real thing that I've ever found that really works is like when it
0: gets bad, show everyone how bad it is you're someone who's known to be one of the more sociable people in mixed martial arts you're always you've approached me backstage and like hey i'm elliot and i'm like yeah i know who you are but you know nice to meet you <laughs> and all that but uh right now and so with social distancing not being at the school uh, not having direct contact with people has that had an effect on you
2: i'm sure i, I don't know yeah i'm sure it has because i like to talk to people I, I like like you said like i like to talk to people because pe- we are the way You know, like we, we are each other's uh, support systems, you know, and if we can, and and my thing is to help people find their power. You know, I want everyone to find their power. I want everyone to be able to realize how amazingly great they are. You know, like I've really been stuck on this idea lately um, that, uh, yeah, you're your own savior. (laughs) You know, like no one's like no one's coming to save you. It's you, you are, you, you are, you, you are your own God, you know, and not that you're all powerful, like like you can, you know, like, like part the seas or anything like that. But when it comes down to saving yourself, it's going to be you that does it. You have the power to do it. So please let's realize how special we all, how, I hate that word, how unique we all are, you know, and that we can do it. So has it been tough for me? Not being able to see people, yes, but that's why I'm trying to figure out these other ways, right? I'm going to put out – content is going to come out for me six days a week, you know, and I'm going to ask for people to respond back to me so that I can hear them and talk to you and and, and still be a part of, of people's lives. You know, we – I've uh, I've been recording daily content for jiu-jitsu, you know, like for and my and so that – it goes out every day. We have five days a week, something going out to, to our students and the masses. It's just going up out, out on YouTube, you know, so um, that's it. You know, you just have to figure out different ways. Like you're like you said, you're in your bat in your basement right now. All right. You're in your basement. Is it perfect? No. Is it something? Yes.
0: Yeah, it was very imperfect earlier when I was trying to come up with a good setting for a segment where I'm drinking coffee with somebody and there's right. just like kid stuff everywhere, yeah, drowning yeah. drowning in kid stuff.
2: Me too. <laughs> you know, like everyone gets so uh, hung up on this idea that it has to be the best you've ever done, and that's not the question. The question uh, is, is it the best that you could do in this very moment? Okay, don't 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 judge it based on when everything was something different because circumstances actually really, really matter, right? Like the circumstance you're in. Are you doing this interview right now? Did you get it set up to the best of your ability? Now, that doesn't mean you won't do it better later because the circumstance is different. You've done this one. So maybe now you'll be able to make changes and do it better. Like I'm importing these fucking contexts, copy and paste one by one. I'm sure I'm going to figure out how to do it better. But right now in the moment,
0: that's what I got. You got to get a Google Chrome add-on. There's got to be an add-on that can help you with this.
2: Yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if, I, if I can find something for you, I'll let you know. Send um, me an email, yeah. <laughs> one other thing that struck me about your interview, um, again with Ariel, was that uh, you're from the um, you're from grand you're a grandchild of survivors. I, I am as well. I've got two uh, okay. two uh, grandparents that survived the Holocaust. One of one of whom fought in World War II uh, as well. So I've got three that were, um, you know, fixtures in, in World War II or ha- had an effect on, uh, on their yeah. lives. Um, how did that change, I guess, y- your being growing up? How do you think that that, I guess, made you into who you are?
2: I guess maybe I'm ready for this, <laughs> you know? Like, because this has been told to me my whole life. This is a story that was told to me my whole life. Like, be ready for bad times, right? Like, be ready for bad times. And I guess it's been, uh, I don't know. We'll see. But that was, that was the narrative in, in my growing up, you know? And I, cause I also had a, an African American father who grew up during civil rights, you know? And, uh, that, that was the narrative in my, in every, in, in almost every sense of the way, uh, be prepared, you know, be prepared for hard times because they're coming. They're going to come again. We're going to see them. And, uh, so I guess that was a diff. That's a diff. I admit, that's probably why I have general. Uh, that's why probably why I have anxiety. You know, because I'm. I've always been waiting for uh, the hard times.
0: Yeah. Well, they're here. I mean, the the crazy thing about it is, it feels like next week everything's going to be normal again. Like, but it's months. months. Like <laughs> that's the part that's that right. gets me every time. Is that yeah. you know? It, it feels like oh, okay, I can handle this. This is cool. But then it's like, wow, we, you might have like another nine weeks of this. Yeah, Maybe
2: but, you yeah but don't think like that. Can you, you, the first part is what you said, you know, the, the most skillful way to think is, oh yeah, I can handle this. You're not being asked to handle in nine weeks from now. You have no clue what nine weeks are going to look like. There are too many variables. There are too many what ifs, right? Uh, You might not, who who knows? I mean, for all we know, a meteor is going to hit the, hit the earth and coronavirus won't even be slightly on our word, on, on our radar. You, we have no clue because 9 weeks ago you didn't think you were going to be handling this right yeah i mean that's great advice obviously yeah go minute by minute and minute by minute <laughs> control what you can control right you do this interview the best you can and i'll do this and i'll do this interview the best i can and then we'll just keep doing that because who, who knows
0: well, I really appreciate this, Elliot, and uh, I would highly recommend your podcast. And uh, your book's available as well. Um, tell yeah. me a little bit about your book, uh, how you wrote it, and uh, and why you decided to write a book.
2: So the book is by the same name of the of the podcast, called The Gospel of Fire. Um, why did I decide to write a book? I don't know, because this lady that got me started on all of this told me I should. <laughs> and I... Uh, and then... Uh, and then... It's what really was the, you know, it was the catalyst for all of this, like, uh, you know, tell, tell my story to the world, you know, tell, tell this, this so imperfect, never, never accomplished much, right? Like, uh, I'm no champion, like, everyone likes to hear the champion story, right, you know, but that's just so few of us, you know, how about tell. How about tell a story about a scared kid who grew up scared his whole life, you know, who had no friends uh, and see if that will resonate with one person and see if one person will be like, God damn, man, thanks. Thanks. You know, and then if if that if that can resonate with one person, then the, the, the job of the book was done.
0: Yeah, I, I heard you say the same thing to Joseph Benavides on your podcast. Um, Joe is one of the all-time great guys in the sport, and you were saying that uh, one of your students, I believe it was, listens to your podcast and that it like s- helps her uh, on a day-to-day basis. That I mean, that's really the only reward you could hope for when you're doing something like this.
2: Yeah, man, that's it. That's you know, uh, uh. you know, we all hope to be Joe Rogan someday. You know, <laughs> we all we, that like I, like I won't lie, that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. You know. Um, but I've kind of moved off of it. I'm, I'm just gonna try to just gonna try to do put out the best content to the one person that I need to speak to every single day, you know. And and then go for, and then start with the one person because uh, I know I have one, you know. I know I have one. I probably have you know. I probably have ten. That's what they're doing. I asked people to email me and I got 50 emails back. So I know I have 50. I know I have 50 people that I'm talking to, right? So I'm just going to talk to them.
0: It's a great way of looking at it. It's called the uh, the gospel of fire. I never reach out to people after I hear interviews with them. It's not usually something I would do is to give feedback on that kind of thing. But when I heard your interview with Ariel, I reached out to you right away because I I really uh, resonated with your story. And uh, I want to thank you for that. And uh, thank you for your time today.
2: Man, I thank you so much, man. Uh, You can reach out to me anytime, man. And hopefully... Um, give me, you know, I'll, I'll even take some feedback. Like I'm trying to do this better. Like I'm trying, like most of what I do is your end now, right? Like as far as this goes. So if you have any advice for me, like when you listen to like some of my podcasts, man, shoot me an email. I'd, I'd love some help because I'm for sure not the best.
0: That was Elliot Marshall. And uh, now we'll go to my interview that I did with Jared Gordon. Uh, Jared Gordon, a very, very interesting, uh, backstory. But uh, he's looking to bounce back off a recent loss to Charles Oliveira. Training in Florida now has moved his camp to uh, what used to be called Hard Knocks 365, now called Sanford MMA. So uh, we're uh, excited to hear from Jared Gordon. He joins us now on the TSN MMA show. I'm joined now by Jared Gordon. Jared, you're in Florida, and I hear that you're so eager to train that you're getting apprehended by the police uh, because they're not allowed to have that many people in a building at a time. Tell me about what happened. Uh,
3: Well, I wasn't quite apprehended, but um, I came... (laughs) That might have been an overstatement on my part. Yeah, sorry, it makes it a juicier story.
0: Um,
3: (laughs) So I came into the gym, I went to the locker room to get changed. Uh, When I got out to get on the mat, uh, the police arrived, three Fort Lauderdale cops. They looked like state troopers at first. Uh, They were on motorcycles, they had the outfits... Uh, And they told us uh, we couldn't be in there. And they said, if we don't leave, I mean, they were nice about it. They were like, look, really, you're subject to arrest. uh, So you have to leave. And that location is shared by uh, like an NFL combine training gym. And there are some NFL guys in there. And uh, the NFL guy was like, look, uh, we don't leave until the NFL tells us to leave. And the cops were like, no, you have to leave now. So um, Miami and Fort Lauderdale, certain cities in South Florida are on restriction, like lockdown, I guess. And non-essential businesses, gyms, bars, clubs, uh, stuff like that are supposed to be shut down. So they told us to get out and we left. Uh, We went to the park, got some training in, but they, they closed us down.
0: So have you relocated to Florida full-time? You're not uh, training at Rufusport much anymore?
3: No. So, I mean, you know, I didn't leave on bad terms or anything. Uh, I was kind of spreading myself thin, I felt, you know, traveling back and forth from Florida. I'm from New York, so between I was, like, doing the Bermuda Triangle between mm-hmm. Florida, New York, Milwaukee. Uh, I had an apartment there in Milwaukee, the condo in Florida, spending a lot of money and the traveling and the back and the forth, my fiance would come to Milwaukee or go to Florida. It was just too much. And, uh, you know, I made some strides there. I had some, some ups and some, some downs. Um, but you know, I, I love Duke. I love all the guys at the gym and I left on great terms. And, um, but yeah, I'm here full time now training at, uh, Henry hoofs gym. And uh, I think it's, it's been a good transition so far.
0: Well, judging by the striking improvements that Gilbert Burns has shown, I mean, in that last fight, his striking was just another level. That that hook was, I mean, Damian Maya doesn't get finished by anybody. It's been 10-plus uh, years since he's been finished, and that left hook was just vicious.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it looked effortless. It was right on the money. He just touched him. It wasn't like he loaded up on it and put him down and, he, uh, you know, finished on the ground. I didn't think it was necessary for him to to jump on top like that. I think the ref could have stopped it before that, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they, you know, Henry's a a striking coach and uh, I think that it plays a little more into my kind of style, uh, but they're also heavy grappling here. You know, we have a lot of uh, Greg Jones, the grappling coach and the the teammates that we have here, Gilbert, for instance, obviously, you know, was a grappler first, Uh, Logan Storley, you know, lots of other guys here that are, heavy grapplers and I think it fits more into like the kind of fighter that I am and my style so so far so good and you know this will be my first camp with them I'm I'm excited to see the changes.
0: Well with that in mind it's got to be difficult for you right now with what's going on in terms of the coronavirus not only are you training for a fight in May you're also trying to cut down to 145 pounds so what, what's it been like for you in the last couple of days uh, and, you know, now that reality has sort of set in?
3: Um, you know, um, I'm excited to go down to 45. So it's like a new chapter for me. Uh, you know, I fought there before, but I truly believe that I've been fighting out of my weight class at 55. The guys are always taller, bigger, longer than me when, I, when I'm when i fighting at 55. Um, so, you know, I'm not really that worried about that. You know, I just have to be disciplined eat correctly, and, you know, have a good amount of time before the fight, so uh, I'll be able to get my weight down. Um, but, yeah, with this whole thing going on, everything's, like, kind of up in the air, you know, and Dana's pushing for for the fights to go on, and obviously, as fighters, you know, if we don't fight, we don't get paid, so, obviously, I want to fight uh, in May, you know, I haven't fought since November, coming off an injury, so a little bit of a layoff, uh, but, Yeah, you know, it's, we're getting kicked out of the gym. Um, Our training is compromised. You know, everything is compromised. Our living situation, staying away from people. uh, The amount of people that we're training with has been downsized. So we don't have the same amount of training partners. And, you know, everything is, we're unsure. Like the next three UFC fights have been postponed. Um, They say that. You know, everything's going to get worse before it gets better. So I can only imagine that, you know, my fight might get postponed. Obviously, that's not what I want. Um, I'm going, doing everything I can to stay fit and to to stay in shape and get my weight down and get the training that I need to get in. But, you know, I'm definitely concerned and um, but I'm just, you know, giving it to God and going with the flow and doing what I can right now.
0: Definitely a complicated situation because I think Dana White feels the media as being too critical of him and trying to have the UFC host events. But for me, if there was a UFC event tonight, there's nothing I'd rather do than watch it. Uh, you know, I get hyped up from basically the moment a UFC card ends until the next one. All I'm thinking about is what's going to happen in, in the coming weekend. And I know that all the fighters want to fight and, and all the fighters are going to be healthy, even if, you know, heaven forbid they contract the coronavirus for the most part, people that are in the shoes of a UFC fighter are in their 30s, you know, sometimes early 40s, sometimes late 20s, whatever, but are in good health and are able to stave off whatever the, the impact of the coronavirus is. But the bigger picture is that if you're around people, say a loved one, a mother, grandmother, etc., it can put people in a very compromising situation if you, you are asymptomatic and are still carrying the virus. So everybody's a little bit concerned about what would happen if say a UFC fighter were or even a UFC personnel member were to contract the, the specific virus. I don't think anybody wants the UFC to put everything on hold um, but I think that it's one of those things where everybody's trying to look out for the greater good.
3: Yeah I think we're in like such premature stages of this whole thing and you know we don't really know how it's gonna play out. I feel like uh, the authorities you know all the medical staff, all the hospitals they don't know how it's going to play out. And we're kind of just like, we're doing certain things, certain restrictions where we're hoping that it's going to work. And, you know, we're limiting people to, you know, to rooms and no people in the stadiums. And, you know, now shows are getting canceled. So I feel like, you know, maybe it it will plateau. But then once they let everyone back out again, it's going to explode again. And then what? Like, it's not like we're going to go from no shows, no fights, to one day where we're like all right let's let's let everyone back into a stadium of 20,000 people Uh, so i think it's going to be a very slow um progression where people are letting back out and back into stadiums but i also think like all right so new york and california for instance they're on lockdown those are the worst states besides washington i think um with the virus right now and we're in such premature stages like we're not We're not quarantined like Italy was or like China was. So we don't even know if it's going to get to that point. And then other states that aren't hit as hard yet might get worse. Like Florida, for instance, there's only so many cases here. But we don't know in a month if it's going to explode or not. So when some states are starting to get better, others might be getting worse. And we don't know what's going to happen with the travel bans. So I feel like we don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to play out, how long it will really take for us to, uh, you know, get back to where we were three, four months ago as a country. And, um, you know, it's concerning, like you said, like I'm healthy. If I contract it, maybe I'm asymptomatic. Then I go meet with a family member who's older. I get them sick. So now it's like I'm being exposed to the to the virus by going to the gym and, you know, training with people. And then I go give it to, you know, someone in my family or uh, a friend of mine and, you know, it's definitely concerning. And I think, uh, we just have to definitely practice social distancing and, you know, do everything that we're supposed to wash your hands, you know, all these cliche things that, you know, I really think can, for the greater good and just see where it goes from there but you know I'm not trying to get too worked up about when I'm gonna fight am I gonna fight uh, I'm just trying to stay healthy keep everyone around me safe and and do do what we can to help each other
0: just avoid sawgrass that's my advice for you don't go to sawgrass mills
3: <laughs> that's definitely not where I want to be that's for sure that's a <laughs> corona infested I'm sure
0: how is your family back in New York doing? As you mentioned, New York is the state that's been hit the hardest. I think that the amount of cases in New York, if New York was a country, would be the fourth most in the world, which is pretty alarming. Um, have you been checking in with uh, your folks back home and, and your friends? Yeah,
3: I'm, I've been calling friends and family multiple times a day. Uh, my parents and my all, my younger brother, they live in Queens, Story of Queens, is one of the most densely populated areas. Um and, you know, they're scared. My, my parents are 60 years old. Um, you know, they're healthy, but, you know, you never know. And there's so many people in the area. It's like they say it's des- desolate outside. You know, there's people outside, but it's definitely very eerie. My father owns a wholesale hardware company, and he's considered a, an essential business. So he's super busy, and they're, they're not letting people into the business. They have, like, a makeshift counter set up at the front door so people that need stuff come to the door everyone's wearing masks and gloves and whatever customers need uh this you know our, my father's employees go get bring it to the front door give it to the uh, customers and you know that's how they're doing it and it's like my dad it's like a cat spring too like my dad's super busy so he's making money but he's exposing his, himself and his employees to the virus so it's like you know what do they want to do so uh, I'm definitely concerned for my friends and family. Um, but, like, there's nothing we can really do except see how it plays out. So, it's all, it's all we can do. So
0: have you been spending most of your time at home? And uh, is your fiance there with you?
3: Uh, my, so, my fiance owns a gym here. She's been closed, but she's doing other stuff uh, for her employees and for the. She's trying to franchise her business. So,. They're making training videos and making a, uh, you know, a training manual and videos for for procedures and for, you know, training staff and for different uh, operations in the in the company. Uh, But I'm scared for her. Like she's, you know, being exposed to her employees. And it's like so she's going to close down completely after today. Uh, But no, I've been going to the gym. I trained this morning. Uh, limited group of guys uh, in the gym long long song was there uh, Martin Nugent Adam Borics, uh Michael Johnson uh, Jason Jackson and tio another 1FC fighter so small group of guys Henry Hilton was there uh, Greg Jones the res- uh, wrestling coach was there so small group of guys we still got training and we're still <laughs> we're still grappling and you know drilling with each other so you know sweat you know different bodies. Bodily fluids, uh, so yeah, it's definitely scary. We're we're cleaning the gym right away. Everything's being sanitized, but you know, apparently it's super contagious, so we don't really know. But you know, there's we got to stay ready, and as fighters, fighters fight, so that's what we're trying to do. You know,
0: you've uh, had experience with addiction and uh, are are in conversation frequently with people that, that suffer from addiction. Is this sort of a situation uh, where there's you know self isolation, quarantining, et cetera, a, a risk for those that do suffer from addiction?
3: So I was thinking about it, and I'm actually going to make a video today on that subject uh, for social media for people you know that are struggling or that are in recovery. And actually, I think this is a great time for people to get clean. You know, uh, I mean, I was thinking like if I was getting high still, I would probably be either taking this time to kick my addiction at home you know i could isolate and and get sober um or i would hoard all the drugs i could and try to (laughs) try to you know lay low at home and keep my addiction going or keep myself from getting sick by you know using these drugs but um this is definitely a you know, you're walking a thin line, like, are you going to go out there, expose yourself and do what you got to do to get your next fix? Or are you going to take this time to try to, hey, maybe I can like kick this now, use this time to get clean and get a foundation under me. Um, Also, you know, AA and NA meetings are, you know, definitely getting closed down. People don't want to be crammed in a room of, you know, addicts and alcoholics—20, 30, sometimes 50 people in the room, you know, breathing on each other, talking about their problems. So um, it's definitely, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to call people if you're struggling. You know, follow the suggestions that are given to to uh, you know stay stay sober. So I'm definitely going to put out a video later on uh think uh you know describing what I think people should do. You know, we have stuff at home you know, that you can do read literature, you know, uh pray. That's a big one for us. You know, God, your your higher power, whatever you believe in to uh, you know, keep you walking that uh that line. So uh it's definitely a weird time for for people in that situation, for anyone really, uh people that with mental illness you know, you can't get your medicine, say, or, you know, even just people that are struggling from any disease, cancer, you're at home, you know, you need certain medicines, you got to be treated, it's scary, you have autoimmune disease, or are you supposed to go to a hospital and, and risk getting this virus when you have an autoimmune disease? So I think um, a lot of these people are grouped into the same category where it's a risk and reward. Um, but I think overall you have to do what's safe and safe for others. And I would say so- social distancing is probably the best thing unless it's a real emergency and you need to s- get, see- seek medical attention. So yeah, uh, I haven't, I'm going to write it all down and lay it out and try to make a video, uh, you know, giving some thought to that. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely, a, a we weir- uh, It's definitely a dangerous topic, I think, right now.
0: Well, you've been such a valuable resource to those who do uh, battle with addiction. And uh, obviously, you've been able to overcome it and uh, have a successful career in the UFC. So kudos to you. And uh, I think it is great that you're going to be putting out a a video that will help people. I mean, people need to hear this sort of thing out loud. And uh, it it, it is very, very valuable. And again, I commend you for that. Thank you. All right, Jared. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Jared. And, uh, appreciate and it. be well, stay well, and uh, hopefully you can continue training and uh, be ready for May if it does end up happening at that time.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Talk to you
0: soon. So that's this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. I uh, urge you to go to my Twitter account, twitter.com slash Aaron I'm doing a daily segment called uh, Coffee and Combat. It's a morning chat with uh, either a fighter in the UFC, someone covering the sport, et cetera and uh i'm starting to do more live chats as well so you can jump on uh social media check out my my live chats on uh, periscope and on twitter uh also a lot of content coming out www.tsn.ca/ufc uh constantly releasing interviews fun segments to uh keep you from the boredom of uh social distancing if you're looking to consume some content that isn't necessarily related to the coronavirus and you're looking for an escape, hopefully I can uh, offer you that escape valve with the mixed martial arts content that I'm providing. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more TSN MMA show.